Today, as we turn our attention to a very special moment today, I want to welcome you all that are here today and those that are watching uh, by the internet, those that are listening by radio. We want to welcome those that are at our other campus, the River Campus. It's always good uh, to have them tuned in with us today. Today, we start a brand new teaching that to me is a very serious one. I do not believe that there is a more needful teaching than what God has laid on my heart and given me the assignment to teach on for the next few weeks. The next few weeks is going to be messages that I believe that the world stands in need to hear. We're going to be talking about the fate of the wicked for the next few Sundays. We're living in a world today to where people say, now, Brother Jackie, we don't need to talk about that. Uh, we don't need to talk about that. That will come across very negative. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I'm here to tell you today that even though the world may not be in a position to hear that, the world needs to hear the message of the fate of the wicked. We want you to know today that there is a destination, a destination that every man, woman, boy, and girl will reside in in eternity. And just because we would silence that message does not erase the reality of it. Hell is real. Heaven is real. Eternity is real for every man, woman, boy, and girl. For God himself has created you for, not for time but for eternity. We realize that in we look at this uh, teaching that we're going to be doing, I tried my best to get out of it. I asked God to give me permission not to do that because it would be so much easier to talk about something that would be so much more pleasant. Each and every Sunday, we will dive deeper and deeper into the reality of this message. So today, as we think about that, you, like myself, have probably found yourself at times fighting your way through life, doing all that you can possibly do to keep your head above the rising water of life and the challenges and the demands and the stuff that life throws at you. You, like myself, have probably found yourself struggling many times through life, trying to make it, trying to succeed, trying to get ahead. When you look at life, doing your best to live right, to go to church, to serve God, only to look around you and realize that wicked people in this world who don't give God a second thought, who could care less about the thoughts of good and godliness and God's glory, who seem to care less about people who will trample over anybody and everybody just to get to the top. You're struggling and they're not. You're doing your best and you cannot get ahead, but it looks like wicked people are advancing. You're battling to make ends meet and they're prospering. You're battling with everything you have just to stay afloat and they're having the time of their lives. You feel as if you're going under while they seem to be gaining ground. You feel terrible and they're living it up. When you sum up that thought, you would write this down in your heart. Life sometimes doesn't seem to be very fair. Especially for those of us that know God. When we look around us, there are many times that we ask this question, why do the wicked prosper? When I'm doing all that I can do and I'm trying my best, I'm trying to do right, and I look around me, and it looks as if I've been handed the wrong, I've been dealt the wrong hand. It looks like everybody that's living wicked is getting ahead, and I'm suffering. They, they seem to be gaining ground, 
and I seem to be losing ground. They seem to be having the time of their life while me, myself, I cannot breathe. I'm feeling suffocated by trying to just succeed. Would you take your copy of God's Word today and be finding the book of Job? The book of Job, as we study under the sermon title today, The Fate of the Wicked as They Prosper Daily. As They Prosper Daily. Would you all together say the title with me this morning? The Fate of the Wicked as They Prosper Daily. When I look at that title, that title resounds with a powerful message in and of itself. What is the fate of the wicked? And yes, there is a fate of those that live wicked lives. But it seems as if they are prospering daily while we are going through hard times many times. If you'll take your Bible and be finding the book of Job, I want you to write down something that I'm going to tell you that's not in your notes, but I want you to write it down. There are really only two classes of people on planet earth. The first class is what we call the righteous people. Those that are righteous in Christ. We realize that the Bible says there is none righteous, no, not one. We understand that our righteousness is like filthy rags. But oh, ladies and gentlemen, when we come to the cross, when we come to Jesus, we take on the righteousness of Jesus and thank God for that. So we realize that there is a class of people that are righteous, not in themselves, but they're righteous in Jesus. And then there's another class of people, and they're called the wicked. Those that don't know Christ, those that, that have never been covered by the blood, those that don't know Jesus and his righteousness, those that have never given their heart to Christ. I'm not talking about religion, but I'm talking about a relationship, a relationship that you have in God through Jesus Christ, not of yourself, for by grace are you saved through faith, that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. And you know that you can never make it on your own, but thanks be to God, he gave his son to die on the cross for you, and now you are covered with his righteousness. Can I get an amen? Is there anybody in this building today that can say, thank God I'm covered with the righteousness of Jesus Christ. If you are that person, give God praise today. He is awesome and he's good. And we are covered by the blood. Can I get an amen? We're covered by the blood of the lamb and we're righteous in him. But if we're not covered by the blood of the lamb, then we are in the category of the wicked. And the wicked are, is a group of people. And we simply cannot overlook the reality, guys, that in the world we live in today, there are really wicked people. It is especially hard to ignore the fact that sinful, wicked people seem to prosper while the godly people seem to suffer many times. And many of the world's most successful people live in total defiance of God's commands, woven through the pages of Scripture and woven through the fabric of our mind is one of the most life's puzzling questions. Why do the righteous suffer while the wicked prosper? Why is it that we suffer and they prosper? And you begin to question your life. And you begin to question your faith. And you get tired and you get beat up with life. And you look around you at all the heathens and you go, good night. I'm, I'm wore out. And I'm beat up trying to keep my head above the water, trying to keep myself afloat. And the righteous, the wicked people are seeming to get ahead. And all of a sudden, your life becomes hard. 
and your faith becomes questionable. And when your life is like that and your faith becomes questionable and you feel like you're missing out on life and you ask yourself this question, why should I keep going on? What's the use? Why should I keep trying? Why do I need to go to church? Why do I need to keep doing what I'm doing if everything in my life is falling apart but yet the wicked seem to have a good life? Why should I keep going on? And there's no greater example in all the world than, than we find in the book of Job. The book of Job, now there's a lot of information in the book of Job, and there's a lot of theological thoughts there, and there's a lot of history there. But we find ourselves with a man of God, a man that, that truly wants to serve God and do it right, and yet at the same time, he sits in the shambles of his life. His life has crumbled around him. Everything that he thought was good and right and, and, and hopeful, everything falls apart. His family falls apart. His hopes falls apart. His dreams come crashing down, and in the midnight hour of his life, in Job chapter 21, we find this perplexing thought in Job chapter 21 and verse number 7 why do the wicked live how are they doing it and, and, he, know, and he goes on and says they become old and they're mighty in power have you ever let that thought run through your mind have you ever asked yourself the question why are they okay and I'm not I, I dare say that every child of God in this building today and those that are watching online and those that are our other campuses, you've said that. You've said, what's the use? Why, why should I keep going on if everything around me has fallen apart and, and everything has crashed down and I'm in the midnight hour of my life? What's life all about? It isn't fair. But Job is not the only one who's asked that question. You begin to flip over all through your Bible and you begin to find men of God and people of God that wrestled with the same issue. If you have your Bible, flip over to the book of Psalms, Psalm 73. We find a beautiful picture there of, of Asaph, and he's one of David's main worship leaders. And God, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, we find this man of God beginning to lay out for us some very practical and profound thoughts. And if you'll notice right in the very beginning of chapter 73 and verse number 1, he says, truly God is good to Israel, even the setters of a clean heart. It's almost like you're seeing this guy and he's looking at the big picture of God's people and he's going, hey, you know what? God is good to, the, to, to his people. But look at verse 2. Uh, let's read the first part of that together. Everybody out loud. But as for me. Have you ever thought everybody else was good and you're not? Have you ever thought everything was going everybody else's way but not your way? Have you ever looked at church people and said, man, it looks like Brother Jackie's got it going on and people have got it going on. But as for me, my feet were almost gone and my steps had well slipped. And look what he says in verse number three. Are y'all with me? Say amen. Let's read verse 3 together. For I was envious at the foolish when I saw the what? Prosperity of the world. Have y'all ever done that? Is there anybody in here, man enough or woman enough to say, yep, sign me up, I've done it. I, I, I've done it. I've looked around life and I've said, you know what? I was envious at, 
I, I hate to admit it, but man, I was envious that for the ungodly, they had it going on. Man, my life was sinking. And he says, for there's no bands in their death, but their strength is firm. They are not in trouble as other men, neither uh, are they plagued like other men. Therefore, pride compasses them about as a chain and violence over uh, covereth them as a garment. Their eyes stand out with fatness. They, they have more than their heart could wish. Are you kidding me? They are corrupt and speak wickedly concerning oppression. They speak loftily. They set their mouth against the heavens and their tongue walks through the earth. And therefore, his people returneth hither and waters of a full cup are wrung out to them and they say, how does God know this and is there knowledge in the most high God but look at this behold these are the ungodly say it with me everybody who prosper come on now y'all gotta help me who prosper in the world let's stop right there for a moment notice this don't don't quickly go by that it says there's ungodly but don't miss this everybody who prosper don't miss it, are you with me? Where? Somebody tell me. In the world. In the world. They prosper in the world. Notice the definition of it. They prosper in the world and they increase in riches in this world. So, so the big idea that we have to look at today is the wicked do prosper in this world. They, it's possible so let's take the journey. Are you with me? Say amen. Let's look at the troublesome question to consider today. What is the troublesome question that most of us fight with and wrestle with and, and we don't know how to answer it and we don't know how to respond to it? What is the big question that we look at today and young people and old people and everybody that has to deal with this and that is this, is it possible to the wicked and, and prosper in the world? Is it possible for the wicked to prosper in the world? Do you believe that that is a question? How many of you would say yes to that? If you say, if you believe it, say, Yes. Is it possible for the wicked to prosper in the world? Is it possible to be a wicked person and still prosper in the world? Is it possible to be a God-hater, still prosper in the world? Is it possible? I mean, look at me, y'all. I mean, we're God's people. Those of us that are clothed in the righteous God, we're the people of God. But yet, on the other side of the coin, there's wicked people, and it looks as if, when you look at the big picture, it looks as if a lot of times they got it going on, and we're struggling. Why is it that their stuff is okay and mine's not? Why do they have the new car, and I, you know, I have a fixer-upper? Why is it that they got the new house, and my roof's leaking? Why is it that everything is going good for them and it's not okay for me? In Psalms 94, verse number 3, the psalmist says, Oh Lord, how long shall the wicked, how long, God, will the wicked triumph? And what he's doing, he's pouring out his heart just like you and I would when we're at that place of being perplexed with life and we're before God and we're crying out and we're going, God, how long are you going to let this happen? And he says, how long shall they utter and speak hard things and all the workers of iniquity boast themselves? You know, they're proud of being heathens. 
And they, you know what? They'll just, they'll cuss God in his face. And they just, you know what? They're not thinking about the things we're thinking about. They're not thinking about, oh my gosh, you can't say that because you can't curse God. But they just blaspheme him and talk about, they, 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 they're the people that have no idea about spiritual things. And it looks as if, watch this, they're getting ahead. And I'm not. And what the psalmist is asking God, it just isn't fair. How long are you going to let this go on? So the question that we've got to ask today, and this is where we're going to start today, and we've got a long journey to go for the next few weeks, and I beg of you not to miss it because it carries on one after the other. Can the wicked prosper in the world? So the troublesome question that we've got to deal with is that question, Brother Randy. When I'm doing all that I can do and I'm trying to stay close to God and, and, and I'm, trying to, I'm trying to live my life as a believer and I'm trying to have faith, but I look around me and the wicked seem to have it better than I do in this world. And we all deal with that. So here's the second thought. What is the temporal truth that we got to face? What is, the, what is the temporal truth? Now remember, and I want you to circle the word temporal because that's what it is. There is a temporal truth that all of us as believers we have to face in life and that is this, the wicked can prosper. They can prosper. And when I begin to study my Bible and I begin to look there together and I begin, God began to deal with my heart about this particular series and I, I really wanted to go, God, no, it's not okay for that to happen. But God reminded me, you know what? The rain falls on the just and the unjust. And you know what? My life is bigger than just this world. And I've got to see things through a different perspective. But if, if I just think about it for a minute... Why do the wicked prosper? You know, if I was God, I'd just kill them all. I, I, just, I just go, you know what, I don't like you. So I'm just going to etch you out. Have you ever got mad at God when things, when you see that and you feel the unjust of that? And how many of you have ever asked the question, why are they okay and I'm not? You know, I'm, I'm having to go to church and listen to some bald-headed preacher and, and they're taking their bass boat to the lake. You know, last Sunday was Easter, and, and Denise and I was, I mean, who don't, listen, guys, who don't go to church on Easter? I mean, you have to be really wicked not to go to church. And so we're coming to, we're coming to church, and, man, we're lined up, and we're coming down Interstate 20, and consecutively, one after the other, three bass boats passing me. Not just cheap bass boats, good night. I mean, it's like the hot rod bass boat, you know, with, a big, with a, like the motor bigger than this church. And I'm thinking, oh, how unfair is that, God? I'm, I'm going to church, and they're going fishing with a new bass boat. And I want one of them. And, and I need one of them. And I'm, I'm doing all this, and good night. That just don't look right. Have you ever thought about that? I mean, how many of y'all can be honest and really say you thought about it? Can I get an amen? You go... Man, why is that? Well, there's some temporal truths that we ourselves need to understand. And here's some of, I wrote down eight of them. The first thing that I notice is this, that a lot of wicked people live a long time. You ever notice that? Don't look at, you know, I'm thinking, man, why don't they die? 
and, and they just live. He go, man, my mama died with cancer young, and this, this heathen is living forever. And they're wicked, and they cuss, and they do everything wrong. My mama's a godly woman. And she died young. And, or maybe you've got a dad, and you go, man, I love my dad. And my dad, my dad was a godly man, and, and, he, and he served God, and he tried to do it right, and he was a hard worker. And, man, this heathen, he just won't die. And so we have to realize that in the world we live in, that it's very possible for wicked people to live a long life. And the Bible says it in the book of Job. Notice what he says. I love how he puts it all together in Job chapter 7. He says, wherefore do the wicked what, y'all? And do what? You ever just looked at them and thought, good night, why don't you quit breathing? Now, don't look at them in church today, but, but you know, you think, man, these people live forever. And, and it, you know, there's a song that, there, there's a saying that, that we know, Michael, that, that says only, you know, only the good die young. And you wonder, is there any just, is there any, is there any fairness in that? And the Bible says in the next verse, it says, their seed is established in their sight with them, and their offspring lives before their eyes. In other words, what the writer is saying is, is, you know what, they see their kids grow up, and they see their grandkids grow up, and they get old, and they live, and it just don't seem fair. Don't seem fair sometimes. Uh, wicked people live a long life. It's possible. And then number two, they have great houses. You ever notice that? That, that a lot of times you look at and you think, man, their house is great. I live, I live in a shack. Uh, you know, I, 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 God, it's weird how that they're living in the $2 million houses and, and I'm living in a, in, a, in a mobile home. And there's nothing wrong with that. Denise and I started off in a 12 by 50 mobile trailer, third, third hand. And we built, after that, we graduated to a Jim Walter house, which we still live in. We just added on to it like a million times. And, you know, you look at that and you go, man, my roof's leaking and theirs is not. My sippy tank backs up. They don't worry about stuff like that. Man, I, you know, I got junk around my house that's falling apart. They, don't have, they got great houses. Uh, and, and Job 21.9 says it like this. He says, their houses are safe from fear, neither is the rod of God upon them. And what he's saying is, you know what? They got great houses. They, they, got, they got a great life. Everything's going well for them. And then thirdly, it seems as if their businesses thrive. You know, you're trying to work your hands, you're working your hands to the bones, and you're trying to do all you can do to, to get your, your nose above the water level so you don't drown. And you're thinking, man, I'm working hard, I'm doing all that I can do, and I'm going to church on Sunday, and I'm trying to serve God, and, and you know, old heathens Mary over there, don't look, I'm not picking on Mary, y'all don't look at them, Mary. But, you know, you look at it and you go, man, sh or, or Joe, he's a heathen, and his business is doing good. I can't hardly make, the, I can't even pay my utility bills. And, man, they got it going on. And the Bible says in Job 21.10, their bull gendereth and faileth not, their cow calves and casts not her cow. Now, what that means if you're not a country boy, 
What that means is, man, their business is doing good. I mean, their, their, their herd is growing while mine's not. And so what that tells me is that here we find somebody going, man, when I look around my life and I see them doing good and I'm not doing good, their business is doing good and I can't even hardly pay the bills. You ever been there? And here's another thing that I've seen in this particular passage of Scripture. Their kids have what they want. You know, you're thinking, man, I don't even have enough money to buy my kids Christmas. I don't, I don't, my, my kids' birthday's coming up, and I don't know where I'm going to get the money to buy them a present. And their kids has got all the stuff. Their kids have got all the new stuff. They got all the fancy stuff. They got all the name brand stuff. I can't give my kids that stuff. And you look at the wicked and, and you look at their kids and Job 21.11 says, they send forth their kids, their little ones like a flock and their children dance. In other words, their kids are living the good life. Their kids are living the good life. And you're thinking, man, I cannot even give my kids what they need, much less what they want. And then they enjoy the nightlife. You know, they're enjoying the nightlife, y'all. You know, you're, 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 you're coming to church on Sunday, and you're not, you're not out at the, at the fuzzy duck on, on Saturday night, but they are. You know, they're spending their time at Hooters, and you're coming to church. Are you kidding me? And they're living the nightlife and they're enjoying themselves and they're drinking it up and they're partying and it looks like, man, they got it going on. Job 21, 12 says, they take the timbrel and the harp and they rejoice the sound of me. You know what that means? They just throw a party all the time. They're just partying it up. They're enjoying the nightlife. While, while, while you're looking at your life and you're thinking, man, alive, you know, these wicked people have it going on. They're partying all weekend, and, and I'm stuck in church. And I can't have no fun. And you know what? It, this just doesn't seem fair. And then they have wealth. You ever notice that? A lot of them got a lot of money. They got, they got wealth, and they don't have to worry about stuff, and they just pay everybody to do whatever. And you're thinking, man, uh, that ain't fair. And Job 21, 13a says, they spend their days in wealth. Doesn't that make you a little ticked off? That you are trying to serve God, and you're trying to do it right, and these wicked people, they spend their days wealthy. So they got wealth. And then the last thing is, they seem to die easy. A lot of times. You know, you would like to think that, you know, even if you have a good, wicked life, why don't you just die hard? You know? And you see, godly people suffer for years. And they, they have diseases and they, they've served God and their bodies waste away and they're in pain and agony. And then Job 21, 13, it says, and they go down to, uh, in, a, in a moment, they go down to the grave. Man, they don't even have to suffer. And you're thinking, now that just ain't right. You know, it just isn't right how that works. It just isn't right that they can live a long life, they can have great houses, they can, they can have great businesses, they, the kids have got, the little brats are spoiled with everything. 
And, and, you know, they enjoy the nightlife and they got wealth. They don't have to worry about paying the bills. Good night. And then when it comes time, they live the long life. Then when it comes time to die, they don't suffer like everybody else. There's people, missionaries all around the world that's giving their life for Jesus. And you're thinking, what? Where's the, where's the, what's the deal here? And you're thinking, man, I'm trying to do everything I can do for God, and I really want to do it well. But when I look around me, when I really open my eyes and look around me, it looks like the wicked people are coming out on top. And I bet you felt like that. I bet there's been times when you've thought that. And the thing I want to get you to at this point is not only the, the troublesome question, not only the temporary truth to face, but I want you to think about the trick of Satan. Because there is an enemy, y'all. Can I get an amen? And he is the devil. And we have somehow forgotten that. That, that we have an enemy that the Bible says he is the prince of this world. And he rules dominions in high places and he knows how to manipulate things. Well, he even done it to Jesus himself. You remember when Jesus was led of the Spirit to go to a mountain to pray. And, and Jesus, being God himself, is having intimacy with his Father uh, during this time. And guess who shows up, everybody? Satan. And the devil's trying to get him so off track that he would compromise the bigger picture. So the devil comes to Jesus in Luke chapter 4, and there's a lot to say there. But in verse number 5, the devil takes him to a high mountain and he shows him all the kingdoms of the world. And notice this, he shows him the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. The devil said to him, all this I'll give you, all the power I'll give you, all the glory I'll give you, I'll give you all this, I'll give it to deliver it for whomsoever I will give it. In other words, it's mine to give, I'll give it all to you if you will just worship me. If you'll just get your eyes off your father for just a little while, if you will just compromise yourself for a minute and you will bow down and you will worship me, I'll give you all the kingdoms of this world. If you'll just do that, but Jesus answered and said unto him, somebody tell me, get thee behind me, Satan. Can I get an Amen. For it is written, thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only will you serve. Now, when you think about that, there's something I want you to write down, and I didn't put it in your notes because I want you to write it, want you to write it in your notes. What is the trick of Satan? Here it is, write it down. It's to get inside your head. The trick of the devil is to get inside your head. The, the devil wants to get in here, y'all. He wants to get inside your head to start messing with your thoughts, to start getting you to think about something that's temporary, something that, that you look at. And, and the trick of the devil is to get inside your head. When the devil gets inside your head, he will, he will cause you to compromise so many greater things. To get people to live for this life only. That's what Satan wants you to do. He wants you to live for this life only. And if he can dangle the carrot and say, hey, look, 
don't worry about this God thing. You don't need, you don't need to go to church. You don't need this God thing. You don't need to study your Bible. Look, God, God is a God of love. Look, look at me. If you, why don't you just go do something else? Look, you're, you, you've got so many things that you want. And if you will just worship me, I'll give you all this. I'll give you, watch this, I will give you a long life. I will give you a big house. I'll give you a business that will thrive. I will give you kids. Your kids will get what they want. I'll let you enjoy the good life, the nightlife. I will give you wealth. I will give you, I will do all this for you. And you can prosper, watch this, in this world. I will pro you will prosper in this world. Do you know how many people take that bait? Do you know how many people embrace that? How many people say, you know what, that's what I need? Now, now listen carefully, are you listening? There is a time that is designated. There is a time that is designated. Not only do we have to deal with the trouble, some question, and, and not only do we need to deal with the temporal truth, because it is true the wicked do prosper, and, and not only do we need to realize that there's a trick of the devil, but ladies and gentlemen, there is a time that is designated. Now, Jesus himself, if you'll open your Bible up, and I hope that you will, to the book of Luke. In the book of Luke, in chapter 12, you will find a profound truth, a story that Jesus talks about in regards to life and how it all wraps up and how it all ends. But in Luke chapter 12, you will see in verse number 15 that Jesus said unto them, Take heed and beware of covetousness, for a man's life, everybody read this with me, for a man's life consists not in the abundance of things which he possesses. In other words, if you're living your life, if you're living your life for things, then the devil's got you exactly where he wants you. By the way, he will give you more if he can keep you. But Jesus said a man's life does not consist in the things that he has. Now watch this. Are you with me? Say amen. amen. So he spoke a parable unto them. Now that's an interesting word that many people don't really understand. What is a parable? Well, a parable is an earthly illustration that will present a heavenly truth. In other words, what Jesus does is he says, I'm going to tell you a story that you can understand so that I can illustrate a principle to you that is from heaven. And this is what he says. The ground of a certain man, a certain rich man brought forth plentiful. And he thought within himself saying, what shall I do because I have no rooms for to bestow my fruits? And he said, this is what I will do. 
I will pull down my barns and I will build greater barns and there I will bestow all my fruits and all my goods. And I will say to my soul, soul, thou hast much goods laid up for many years. Come on now, everybody read this together. Take thine ease, what? Eat, drink, and be merry. But God. But God, look at me and listen to me. I don't care who you are, and I don't care what you do with your life, and I don't care what your ambitions are, what your goals are, what your plans are. You, my friend, will have a but God moment. When everything about your life will be hinged on that one thing, but God. Every man, woman, boy, and girl has a designated time in their life where whether we like it or whether we don't, there will be a but God moment in your life. No matter what your plans are, no matter what your ambitions are, no matter how many houses you have, cars you have, no matter how much money you've got, no matter how, many, how much material things that you have acquired, there will be a moment in every one of our lives where God will step on the scene of your life when you are saying all kinds of things to where a moment in time that has been designated for you, my friend, where God will say, but God. You say, the wicked prosper in this world? Yes, but God. The righteous suffer in this world? Yes, but God. The Bible says, but God said to him, you fool. You're an absolute fool. Because tonight, you're going to die. And then, who shall all these things be? Can you imagine that, y'all? Here we got a man that's wicked. And watch this. Are you listening? In a daytime period of his life, he's going, man, what am I going to do with all my stuff? Well, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to build some more barns. I'm going to lay things up. I'm going to have a great retirement. I'm going to, man, I'm going to live it up. I'm going to eat, drink, be merry. I'm taking the cruises. Man, I'm going to enjoy my life. Me and my wife's going to live the good life. And 12 hours later, he would be dead. But God... There is a designated time for everybody to where you cannot take your things. Uh, you cannot carry with you what the world has consumed you with. There will be a time in all of our lives where we will have to lay down everything that we may have prospered in this world and naked you came into this world and my friend, naked you will leave. Can't take it with you. 
Now, in thinking about that, there is a truth to consider. The truth is powerful, y'all. And it's found in Psalm 73. And I bet you can relate to it. Psalm 73, just with Adam playing for just a moment, I want you to listen to it. Psalm 73, we left the psalmist saying these words to us in the text that we opened this morning. I was envious when I saw the foolish. When I saw the prosperity of the wicked, it ticked me off. When I saw that they were getting ahead and I'm not. When I saw that their life was rich with everything that I desire and I have nothing. When I saw that they were not suffering and I am. When I saw that they had money to spare and I can't make ends meet. It ticked me off. And then I went to the sanctuary. Somebody invited me to church. And when I went to the sanctuary, I understood something. It was as if God took the blinders off my eyes and for the first time in my life, I understood that the wicked could prosper. But I also understood that they would have an end. There would be a moment when I went to that sanctuary and that man opened that Bible and that man began to speak. It was as if God was talking to me. It was as if when I went in there and I sat in that pew and before I went in there, I was mad. And before I went in there, I had a million questions. Why is everybody else doing good and I'm not? But when I went in there, that man took that Bible and opened it up and it was as if as if God sat down beside me in that pew. And it was as if he reached over and took the scales off my eyes. And I realized something that I had forgotten, that there would be an end to this time on this earth. And I went to the sanctuary of God and I understood their end. And I said at that moment, God, you have set them in slippery places. God, they think that they got it going on, but their feet is in a slippery place. God, my feet is on a rock. My feet is anchored. Though hell itself come against me, I shall not be moved. But their feet is on a slippery place and their feet is going to slide out from under them one day and their feet is going to slide out from under them and they're going to go to destruction. 
Verse 19 says, they're brought into desolation. They thought they had it all, but when it's all said and done, it was, it's like God showed me that everything that they had, that they were clawing to keep, would slide through their fingers like sands of the sea, and they would have nothing. Watch this, watch this, watch this. Don't miss this. It says it will happen in a moment. Just like that. One moment. One moment, they draw their last breath and everything is over. And they are brought into, they're consumed with terror. Had you rather have it all now and lose it all later? Or you'd rather have it all now and have it all later too? Because when you got Jesus, you got it all. Now the Bible says, it is appointed unto men once to die. And after this, the judgment. Now what does that mean? It means the righteous will die and so will the wicked. And one day, we'll all stand before God. Doesn't matter how much money they had. Doesn't matter how cool their cars were. Doesn't matter how good their houses were. What matters at that moment is not what you had, but who had you. Who has you? Because there's a bigger picture. The bottom line tells us that. There is a bigger picture. There's something bigger than time. There, there's something much bigger than today. There, there's much something much bigger than next month or, or next year. There is eternity. And, and what the devil wants to do is cause you to compromise your time or to embrace the time so you compromise your eternity. Yeah. There's been times in my life where I've said, God, this ain't fair. I'm the one serving you. They're not. Why am I struggling? I, I've been the one trying to do it right why, why are they getting ahead? I've, I've said that. But you know why? Because I forgot the big picture. When you see the big picture, everything changes. It, everything changes. So today, you may be here, and you came in the building today, or you may be tuned in by the radio or by the Internet, or you may be at our other campus, or you may be sitting in here, the balcony or wherever, and you came in and you was asking those questions. Why is it so hard for me and so good for them? And maybe the devil has even caused you to get off track because of that. 
And maybe you've been pursuing the, the, the pot of gold at the rainbow's end. Maybe you've been letting the world capture your attention and your love and your heart. Oh, my friends, come back to Jesus. Come back to Him. Uh, give Him your heart. Give Him your life. Because time is so quick. But eternity is so long. Don't live your life for just time. Live it for eternity. The late Dr. Billy Graham made a statement that radically changed my life. And this is what he said. As he stood at the pulpit looking over a huge group of people at one of his crusades, he said these words. Ladies and gentlemen, you're never prepared to live until you're prepared to die. You're never prepared to live until you're prepared to die. And so many people try to live with the temporary things rather than embracing the eternal things. So today, now that you know, what will you do with that truth? So I'm going to ask you to bow your heads all over this building today. And with your heads bowed and your eyes closed, and for a moment with God, as our ministers come down front. And if you're here and you don't know Jesus and you'd like to give him your heart, we'd love for you to come and just let us share with that. Or maybe you want to join the church today. Maybe you want to make this your home. Or maybe you want to recommit your life to the Lord. This altar is open. And it takes guts to come down front. But if Jesus went to the cross for you, why wouldn't you? Walk a few steps for him. So today is the day for you to make a decision. And uh, I just want us to sit still for a minute. And as Randy and the group sing, if God is moving in your heart, if you'll stand up and just say to your friends beside you, excuse me, I need to go down there. They'll move. They'll, let, they'll get out of your way. So if God's moving in your heart, why don't you stand and come right now as we sing this song?